developing your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Are these your notes? These. Are these your notes about what we're going to say? What does I it say? It would be a good... <laughs> I didn't even get to idea. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I can just ask you the question. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's going well. It's going really well. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Right and Wrong podcast. I'm Emma. And I'm uh, Jamie, right? Yeah, I'm Jamie. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we're joined by Chloe Seeger, who is a literary agent at Madeleine Milburn and the author of Editing Emma and the sequel, Friendship Fails, of Emma Nash. Uh, welcome to the show, Chloe. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Hi, yes, Chloe. Welcome. Thank well, you for really joining us. You. Yeah, it's so nice to have you. Um, so just to kick off, so you're, you're an agent and an author. So if we go right back to start with, which one came first? Were you always writing books before you worked as an agent? Oh, people always ask me this and it's such an interesting one because I've <laughs> it kind of came at the same time. Um ah, so I started okay. I started working in agenting um and then a few months into my first job I started writing my first book. So I I would say that I've always just been interested in books and I just knew that I really wanted to start working in books, so I just did both mm. at the same time and then that that's kind of how it happened. Um, okay. Yeah, so I wouldn't I wouldn't say that one really came before the other. Were you yeah, inspired, do you think, by agenting and seeing all of these like new books working in that industry? Do you think that inspired you at all with your I writing? I think I always knew that I wanted to write. Um, and then I guess working in the industry, I I definitely I think I would have written a book had I not been working in the industry, but I think it definitely makes you think oh seeing it from the other side you know oh I could do this you know and, <laughs> mm. and I I guess you have an insight into how it works and cover letters and you know what's going sure. on on the other side I think the submission process was probably slightly less daunting for me than maybe it is for other people who it, I think the submission process can be shrouded in so much mystery for people mm. who don't know um who haven't worked on the other side and I think coming at it from both angles probably just made the whole thing a little bit less scary. Yeah. So you did submit to agents. Yeah, yeah, I submitted to agents. I um did a little bit of research, just decided who I kind of liked the look of and who I thought might like the book and then yeah, submitted to about between five and 10 agents, which is always the advice that we give other people, that kind of number to start with. So yeah, I followed all my own advice. <laughs> That's good. Um, although I, I cringe to think now, looking back at the submission letter, because I'd only been working in agenting for a few months, really, when I started querying. So I, um, I it was probably a terrible query letter, actually. Looking back, I, I bet I'd write a much better <laughs> one now, but thankfully I don't have to anymore. I would not want to represent myself. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> that would be very awkward. I would never represent myself. As much as I love 
talking up my authors and championing them and talking about <laughs> other people's books. I could never do that for myself. I think as well, right. you need the insight of someone else to say that, well, A, that it's worth representing and yeah. B, you know, to have the editorial insight and the the support, the handholding, the negotiating. Like I can't, I'm, I'm, I don't mind asking publishers for more money for my authors, but I think whenever people are discussing money on their own behalf, it becomes a, a much more awkward conversation, whereas it's just not as an agent. So, That's so true. Uh, yeah, I yeah. can't imagine. I don't think any agents who are also authors represent themselves typically. I think they always have mm. another agent usually. Yeah, that makes and sense. actually, I submitted under a fake name because I I was meeting people at events and I didn't want them to feel awkward about rejecting me. I didn't want them to think, "Oh, that girl's <laughs> book was terrible. Oh God, don't want to run into her." Yeah. <laughs> what was your fake name? My fake name was Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> wow rhymes Zoe with Zika. chloe because <laughs> uh, i'm really inventive <laughs> i actually i read that um a lot of other agents do i think that sam copeland who also writes an agent so i think he submitted under a fake name to his agent as well i think it's just to kind of um you know it's really awkward because you can't you you can't tell you can't tell people you know what you really think you can't mm. if i if yeah. you know if a friend sends me something i would never may be as straight with them as you yeah know, as you, it's harder you isn't be. it yeah when the relationship's yeah. there to start with it, it can, can get difficult I guess and like you said awkward I guess being an agent can be obviously really all consuming like you said earlier you've been really busy today and I've got a million emails um so you're extremely <laughs> busy can can we expect um a third appearance from Emma and if so how do you think you'll find the time to do it well I've actually I've written another book this year but it's not an Emma book um so I'll be going out on submission again um but I'm I'm actually I'm I've written an adult book so I'm you know traitorous (laughs) to the children's and YA uh genre but actually I think it it's been quite nice writing something that because I work in children's and YA and I absolutely love it it's been quite nice writing something um slight just in a slightly different genre as you say um Mm. to get that separation I guess between sort of I mean I love children's and YA I just felt inspired to write something in a slightly different area so that that will be interesting um but yeah Yeah, finding get some separation yeah finding the time is difficult you are yes you are right um but Mm. it's been easier in lockdown in one way because you have so much more time harder in another way because I think it's hard to feel creative and for sure you know, have yeah, any definitely. inspiration yeah that's something we're hearing from everyone mm. that we speak to definitely the kind of the squashing their creativity by being trapped at home yeah definitely is, definitely so i think some people find it really sort of um like they're, they're, they're finding their focus to be really good in lockdown sometimes but then for it to be because they haven't got anything else to do maybe um but then it because of that it can wane a little bit and you end up watching Netflix yeah. or you know whatever you're I doing so. as well so it can I've be certainly been slower than I would have been I think mm. normally I could finish a book because it's people always say oh how do you find the time to so agenting as well but I think for me it's just so I always write it's just always a thing that I do it doesn't feel like I'm finding time it just feels like something that happens you know yeah um as and when so and I normally I mean the Emma books 
the first one I finished in about two or three months I think it wasn't long on weekends around work and then but this one has taken me I think the best part of a year which is I think a normal amount of time anyway that's mm, fine yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just that it's it's it was slower for me um but yeah it, as you say it's just been so difficult speaking to all my authors um to find that inspiration and that headspace even though you have a lot of physical time it feels like you're yeah it feels like you have a lot of time yeah. to fill yeah it yeah. feels very difficult so it's a bit yeah, it's a bit, yeah. Uh, frustrating. to get the motivation So as uh, an agent and also a published author, you are, you've probably got a lot of insights uh, from, as you said, both sides of, of the curtain. Um, Something that Emma and I, I know have discussed at length, uh, as well as many of my friends who are writers, both with and without agents is, is talk about entering the market as a debut novelist. What do you think it's like? from being able to see from both sides here what is it like for people trying to get their debuts out there is it much harder than it has been um do you mean kind of in a post-covid environment i mean either like post-covid or just you know the way that the industry is going um i think debuts there's always um i think debuts there's always this i feel mystery um not mystery you can cut this bit when you go back in editing while I search for the right <laughs> word. Um, I think there's always this kind of um, myth, that's the word I'm looking for, that it's yes. harder being a debut. And in, in many respects, it is. On an, on the other side of it, I think that publishers are always excited for a debut. Like there's so much hope in a debut. I think that it's you can get so excited behind it and and you don't know what's going to happen yet. And I think publishers will always be looking for debuts because, because of that. I think Mm. that actually it's harder as an author, if you've had a book out and it hasn't gone maybe as well as you'd hoped, I think then it can be harder to, to actually get another contract or um, to maybe then think, okay, I'm going to take it in a different direction. I'm going to publish something under a new name. I think that obviously the ideal scenario is probably if you've had a book published and it has gone well, then great. Then, you know, your career starts really building. But mm-hmm. I think um, actually being a debut, it's, it can be a challenging time, but it's maybe not as challenging actually as if you've had a book out and it hasn't gone that well. So I think there's this real sort of, um, you know, belief that getting a book deal is the hardest thing, but actually getting a book deal is just the kind of beginning of a journey that can go in many different directions yeah. and can have right. very different challenges along the way. So, um, but yes, being a debut is obviously is difficult. And I think in COVID, especially, you know, people are really turning towards known brands. People want familiarity mm, and comfort. Yeah. And also the way you would pick up a debut is by going into a shop and maybe browsing. We don't have that anymore. Sure. We just, people are just heading to the internet and, and maybe just picking up the names they do know. So I think this year in particular has been very hard for debuts. Yeah. Mm. Right. Okay. Well, there's some, some positives there and some, and some negatives at the same time. I think it's a positive in that often when people are like, oh, it's so hard to get on the ladder. I sometimes actually think that you, it's nice to hear that people are always looking for debuts and can always be excited about debuts. So I hope yeah. that, that yeah. you know, 
give some positivity to the querying process. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. For people who are starting to feel uninspired by their piles of rejections. Um, (laughs) Let's, and, and, and let's talk about submissions now. Um, for a lot of people, uh, it's, it's basically a learning an entire new skill set is learning how to submit to Mm -hmm. agents. Uh, and, and especially as you say, like so many people in lockdown have decided to start writing or started submitting to you so that you have this, uh, swollen email box of (laughs) submissions. Um, at Madeline Milburn, you ask for quite a standard sort of submission package. It's one, a one page synopsis, a cover letter with a short kind of pitch and blurb in it. Mm -hmm. And the first three chapters or approximately 10,000 words Mm -hmm. of those things, uh, for you personally, which do you pick up first and then which where do you put the most weight in terms of importance so I think I'm possibly a little different to some other agents in that I'm very pitch focused so Mm. um I will I think most agents start with the letter and if you're intrigued Mm. by the letter then you'll open up the attachments I think just given that, I know, as I was saying earlier, at the moment, I'm getting about 400 a week just for myself. So um, (laughs) there's sometimes, you know, if there's a letter and I think absolutely, I just know off the bat that that wouldn't be for me. Mm. There might be occasions where you don't maybe even open the attachments just because of the sheer volume. And and so, yes, the letter is very important. Um, But that would only be in a case where I really thought I'm not the right fit here. Like, you know, if it's... Yeah. something that I just know 100% is not going to be for me. Um, so I start with the letter or if there's something in the letter that really puts me off, um, you know, uh, and then I would, I, this is where I differ from most other agents, I think, is that I probably go to the synopsis next. Um, oh, okay. I like um, being able to picture what the book could be, like how I could sell it, what the pitch is, what the book mm. is. And then I go to the writing to see if it measures up. So it's kind of like a three-stage process for me. Does the letter intrigue me to want to open the materials? And then when I look at the synopsis, could I see this as something that I could sell? And then the writing and the connection has to be there. So even if it's the most marketable idea in the world, if I don't connect with the writing and I don't connect with the voice and I'm not in love with the characters, it's still a no. But that sort of, for me, almost comes after like I, because I, I have been in a scenario before where I've started reading and I've loved it I've loved the voice I love the characters but if I can't pitch it then there's no sort of no point <laughs> if you see what yeah. I mean yeah yeah, yeah, um, yeah. so I'm very yeah, sense. I'm very pitch led but I think other agents might be horrified by that they might they might I think <laughs> I know other agents who, who start with the connection and then think about how they can sell it but for me, sometimes yeah. even if I'm completely in love with something, I still might not be able to sell it. So I, you know, with the volume of submissions, I don't want to get too attached to something that then I can't, I can't, I think I can't sell. Mm. Sure. That makes, that makes sense. sense. So, so you, you, you kind of jump on the synopsis early, yeah. uh, where there are some agencies that don't even ask for a synopsis. I think they that literally just blows do my cover mind. letter in 10,000. Yeah. <laughs> And the synopsis is a daunting thing to write. I think everyone hates writing their synopsis. When it comes to it, do you want, 
do you want every single like spoiler and little detail in there or do you just want the bare bones? Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I want the spoilers, yeah. I mean, not every single plot point, but obviously if it's a thriller and and someone Mm. withholds the twist from me, that's the thing when you're looking at this number of submissions, we do not have time to read the whole book of every book to get to those plot points. So I need to be assured from the synopsis that it's going in a direction that I'm going to like. And therefore that will um, give me the confidence to read on. If, you know, I can't tell you, I I think when I started, I I was the kind of agent who thought I'm not going to look at the synopsis. I'm just going to read. And then the amount of times I'll be reading a romance and about three quarters of the way through an alien will pop up and I'll think <laughs> oh, I've you know and that you just don't you just don't it's just a time constraint mm. is literally yeah. I just we need to know how the plot's going to go um and then we still want to read it and and be swept up in that book but I think just knowing that from the synopsis you can tell that someone knows how to craft the novel and that it's going in a direction that you are on board with before you put in sure. all that time because if you think about how long it takes to read a, an entire book and when you're getting 400 a week you need yeah. that mm-hmm. um you know that time. Um, kind of framework yeah yeah and and speaking of time constraints presumably that you know this is quite a standardized formula the one page synopsis the pitch cover letter the first three chapters 10,000 words that is do, do you feel like that you know 10,000 words plus the accompanying stuff that is the kind of shortest amount that you need to really get a grip with the material to be honest I tend to know pretty quickly I usually know from the first chapter and like once I've looked at and I've liked Mm. the letter and I I think the synopsis is good and I normally I know quite quickly if I'm into the voice so I even think that the first 10,000 words is maybe even longer than we need like for me to kind of know I mean it depends um what kind of book sometimes there might be multiple perspectives so it takes a few chapters for you to meet all the voices or sure um but yeah generally i think you do get that sense quite quickly and once you've when you when you are reading it and you get that quick sense what 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 is the thing for you is it as you know as we hear a lot of people say is it almost all about the voice you because if you've read the pitch and the synopsis you're basically sold on the concept at that point yeah so you're then just looking for voice, right? Yeah, 100% voice, um, skill. And, you know, there's as well, there can be a really great concept, but someone might not have executed it very well. And yeah. that, I, I think, but voice, yes, is the most important thing. I will work with someone on a book for up to a year if I love the concept and the voice. You know, we can we can sort out the plot. We can sort out the structure. Um, having just said that I'm, you know, the synopsis is important, that's, just to check that it's not completely off base like there's a lot that yeah. we can do <laughs> yeah it's just to check that it's not going in a completely random <laughs> direction yeah yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah if I love the voice and the concept I will I will work on something for a long time with someone yeah 
absolutely. That's good. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, it's really good to know. I had a, cu- a couple of quick fire questions about submissions. Sure. Uh, because um, since we're debunking myths, <laughs> um, people, a lot of people in the community are very worried about resubmitting to agents. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about, like, if I sent you a draft of something my, that I'd written last year and I send you the new version uh, a few months later or like a year later? Does that, do you often, do you remember things like that or do you think it's a good thing? I think it's fine. I usually do remember, um, yeah. I, or if I don't entirely remember something, will, once I start reading, something will feel familiar to me. But I think if mm. someone's done significant revisions or they found a new way to pitch it, um, then, you know, that's fine to have another go with it. Um, personally, I don't have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, my other question was, you mentioned that you suggest people send f- to five to 10 agents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, do you, I mean, obviously you don't want people carpet bombing and just sending <laughs> to everything. Yeah. Um, but uh, is there anything in sort of exclusively submitting to you? Oh, I mean, when someone does exclusively submit to me, I definitely pay it more attention yeah, um, because okay. it means that someone's engaged with my list and they think we could be a good fit and they've done their research. And yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely pay more attention. I don't expect someone to submit exclusively to me. But I think even with a select number, you know, sometimes you'll, um, there have been occasions where you, someone said, oh, I've had X number of call ins. And whilst, you know, okay, this person's had 20 manuscript call ins in two days whilst that's exciting on some level, it also makes me think, God, how many agents did you send this to in the first instance? You're casting a very wide <laughs> yeah. net. Yeah. And I think it's so much about a relationship and a fit. And and that's not just from our side, that's from the author's side as well. I like to know that they've considered why um, I might be a good fit for them, why we might work together, that they like my work, that they're not just kind of desperately searching for anyone who will take it on I think um yeah I mean it's 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 if I love something and someone submitted to 50 agents I'm still going to go for it but Mm. there is something that's yeah I think does it does elevate a submission when someone's targeted their letter yeah that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you mentioned that you personally obviously get a lot of submissions as, as well as the agency itself. But do you ever look through um, authors who are shortlisted or longlisted for competitions? Is that some somewhere you would actively look for new clients? Yeah, I do. Um, we do occasionally also look at things, you know, like pitch wars and um, certain showcases, environmental, but... Mm. Um, yeah, I think that on prizes, I just, it can be a good way of finding things, but it doesn't matter. You know, I don't, ultimately, I don't care if someone's got a prize or been shortlisted or longlisted, or I just want to, it's just for me, just about the book, really. Mm. So it can, yeah. it can be a good way of, of gaining visibility yeah. um, to find stuff on shortlists, but it's definitely not a necessity. I find, I find just as much stuff that just comes in the inbox that someone that people have had no prior writing experience at all. Yeah. That makes so sense. definitely it's not a requirement. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And, and, and do you think there's a, a big difference between how the literary agencies are run and, and should that maybe factor into people's research when it comes to submitting or 
or is it all about the age and, and like you said the the agency is kind of just a geography thing um no I think it's both actually I think it depends on what kind of book you've written if you've written if you're a UK author and you've written a book with US appeal, for instance, you might want to submit to agencies that have good relationships with the states and who can submit directly over there. But you might want a UK agent because then you can meet up with them and be in the same country. Or um, if you've written something that's very British focused, you might not care whether or not your agent has good relationships with the US. Um, mm. We at Madeleine Milburn, for instance, we have an in-house rights team. So and we have an in-house film and TV. So we do everything in-house. And I think that's a really big plus, um, you know, to have all those teams in-house. And I think that's something that, you know, we're really, really proud of at the agency. I think thinking about how your foreign rights are going to be handled, how your film and TV is going to be handled are really important factors. And obviously, you know, the connection with the agent, the agent themselves is is probably the biggest factor but there are lots of other things to consider about how your book's going to be sold mm. yeah no yeah that's that's great and after um you've offered someone personally like representation what are the next steps after that um well it depends sometimes I offer someone representation and that person is just really sure that they want to sign with me and we had such a great connection and they just sign mm. up and then we sort of start um, working on edits together and that's really lovely sometimes if they've had multiple offers they might um wait to meet everyone and then kind of make a decision I guess or do you mean like once they've signed up with the agency or do you yeah mean... exactly uh what are the steps okay, after that yeah. like how do you personally work around it Personally, I would send an I usually send an edit letter um, that kind of outlining my main thoughts on the manuscript. And then, I mean, it depends how people want to work. Sometimes we have creative brainstorms together. Some people just like to go away and work on the feedback and come back with a new draft. And mm. yeah, we'll go through various rounds. And then we have an in-house editor at Madeleine Milburn. So I might give it to her and she might do edits on it as well. Um, and then once it got to a, a certain kind of level that we were happy with then we might I would start pitching to editors um, and let them know something really exciting was coming and then yeah we would go on submission which is pretty much a very similar process that authors have already done to agents but we're doing it um, on author's behalf to publishers exciting <laughs> yeah that's I mean that's in theory the exciting bit right but I imagine it can be just as difficult a process as uh, submitting to agents in the first place yeah definitely yeah I think it it can be it's obviously a really stressful time and it's an anxiety you know it's, it's a lot of anxiety and it's you've been working on this book for so long and then it's you know it's going out to publishers but I think hopefully having another person involved then who sort of yeah. is handling that for you who you trust yeah it probably yeah. makes it got slightly less stressful yeah, like a team. Yeah, yeah. Um, someone on your side. It. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Exactly, and yeah. I think even if a book doesn't sell, you know, you've you've got an agent. You're you're halfway there. You know, you've you've done the querying process, and you've got an agent, and and that could be half the battle. Because certainly for me, if a book doesn't sell to publishers first time around, we'll work on something else. Yeah, you mm -hmm. know, we'll um, we'll we'll and and it might work on the second book or even the third book. Right. Sure. Mm. And yeah. so you always try, it sounds like you try and have a good relationship with uh, all of your authors. So like that the agent author relationship is a very important one. Um, 
how you know how regularly are you in contact with your authors um and then, like how often do you just kind of discuss ideas and and next next steps with what their books are doing so it really depends i mean you'll have times when you're literally speaking to authors like five times a day um, <laughs> around publication or around submission you know if something's on submission and, you know, someone say you've got a preempt come in and you want to discuss what the best thing to do is and then you're keeping them up and then you might go to auction or at that point mm. around submission, you're talk, you're checking in pretty regularly um, around publication every time there's a new bit of news or, yeah. um, or the cover, you know, when covers come in and or around edits, then you're talking. But there can also be long periods where there's really nothing to say and you, right. you're not you're not communicating um at all i always think the strangest time is when you've done a deal Mm -hmm. um and you and you have all this flurry of activity and you might have had this auction you might have been speaking to someone every day and then you know you're just sitting there waiting for the contract and the edits from the publisher and there's really nothing else to do but it can feel this very strange anti-climax after this big exciting thing and i think for authors just to be like well what now and the answer is well now we wait wait. (laughs) i think publishing is so slow and and it takes a lot of um, a lot of getting used to for some people that there's these heightened peaks of activity and then a lot of you know a lot of time when really nothing much is happening yeah um there can also be times you know when we i would normally agree an idea with an author and then they would go away and write it they might want to check in with me about stuff you know if they were stuck or they wanted to just have a, a brainstorm but they might i might not hear from them for months as they were just writing sure. and there would be no reason for us to chat unless they they wanted to so i mean yeah. obviously if someone's been working away for too long i do like to check in and just make sure everything's okay but, <laughs> make sure they're still alive yeah, yeah. <laughs> picked up their manuscripts just like i'm done <laughs> yeah can't do it anymore <laughs> yeah exactly but that's um, and you're you're quite hands-on in terms of editing as a as an agent very hands-on yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely I mean it's quite nice when you get submissions in where you think oh there's not that much for me to do I almost feel like I'm I'm a sort of imposter when that happens I'm like oh well you don't need me I'm just Uh. passing this to a publisher (laughs) um so yeah I do like to get editorially involved oh that's good and we've talked about submissions we've talked about your process um and and like how the landscape works a bit what are your um sort of top top kind of pet peeves uh for anyone listening to this getting ready to submit or now thinking about submitting potentially to you what are your kind of pet peeves the things that they should just definitely not do and make sure they don't do it in their submissions (laughs) listen up (laughs) listen carefully um i think being vague is my my pet peeve and i think it's really hard to conceptualize when you're looking at the number of submissions that we look at yeah how specific you need to be to pitch a book and i I'm sorry if anyone has previously listened to interviews with me where I've used the same example. I'm sorry, it's just the example I always use. But you can, you know, if you're thinking about the pitch for the Hunger Games, you could say Katniss Everdeen's sister is, you know, volunteered for the annual Hunger Games where kids are pitted against each other in a fight to the death. She volunteers to take her place. And then you know who the main character is. You know that 
she's got to go and fight to the death to save her sister. You know what's at stake for her. Mm. You could also pitch it like Katniss Everdeen is, you know, flung into a battle and it's about friendships and love and <laughs> courage. And that that's the death for me right. of a submission letter because every single book, really, when you boil it down, has very similar themes. Yeah, mm. it's 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 not really what, when you're looking at that time and time again, I could probably flip through kind of 50 submissions in a row that say this is about love and friendship and adventure yeah. and you know and I think that yeah being vague for me is that <laughs> is my biggest pet peeve I want to know who's your main character what's at stake for them you know and that's that's the pitch right um, okay or or the pitch is you know it's Bridgerton meets Mean Girls you know that's I want to know what the book is okay yeah comparisons um, to because yeah it, stuff yeah or i mean it doesn't have to be a comparison but sometimes rather than a plot hook that can be a hook in itself you know if you if you have two really good comp titles yeah like um yeah. i'm just thinking i've just been talking about um ace of spades which is a new book coming out and every time i hear that gossip girl meets get out pitch i'm like you know i know <laughs> i want to read that book yeah yeah um, so it doesn't have to have comparisons but just something in the cover letter that makes it specific makes it stand out it's just so that i know what the book is not just it's not just a discussion of the themes in the book which are off you know in a lot of books um and they are important but it's just it's it's so easy it's so much easier you just need to, to get be, sense. it needs to be pinpoint when you read yeah. it, because you you can't give it that much time, so you need to read it and know exactly what it is straight away. That's a great piece of yeah. advice. Yeah, and sometimes sense. then I can look into the synopsis and find my own pitch. But um, you know, it's so nice when that's sort of when the author is aware sure. of where they fit into the market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you are yeah. you currently open to submissions? I'm always open to submissions. You are always open <laughs> to submissions. Guys. <laughs> the door is always open, guys. Exactly. Always open. And I just, you know, I have a pretty full list, so I'm not actively building, but I'm always open to something that I fall in love with. Right. So. Mm. Okay. Okay. And you represent uh, middle grade up to young adult. Yes, that is correct. And sometimes younger. I mean, I say I don't generally represent picture books i've just taken on a picture book because i fell in love with it so you know yes i can be (laughs) swayed um i also represent a little bit of adult fantasy okay but um mainly when it crosses over right 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 and so uh for anyone listening who uh is thinking about submitting to you or has something they don't know that they they don't know yet they want to submit to you what are you looking for what genres of book are you looking for what excites you uh in the second half of this year Oh, well, at the moment, everything's so bleak. I think I'm really just looking for joy. Yeah. Bring me yeah. joy. <laughs> Please so bring me out joyful. of... Yeah, <laughs> anything that brings me out of this horrible, um, you know, focusing on the news, thinking about lockdown. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. I I'm, think I'm that um, rolls us on to the last question, which is... Um, if you maro- well, wow, I can't speak today. Apparently, <laughs> Use I was your like, words, if Emma. you were m- 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 maro- <laughs> okay, well, we'll try that again, shall we? If you were um, marooned on a desert island, um, what book would you take with you, and why? Oh, that's a really hard one. <laughs> <laughs> you can be yeah, anything, anything. 
Oh, I know what a series I would watch. I feel like... You can't take a TV you... with you. That's not in the rules. Can I take a TV <laughs> with me? Yeah, you can take a TV with you, um, bring a laptop. What take series would you watch? You. I'm going to exactly. give a really basic answer. I feel like it would have to be like a, a Jane Austen or something, just because, again, that joy. I feel like if you're marooned on a desert mm. island, maybe I'm just taking this question far too literally, but you're going to be quite miserable. <laughs> so it's true. It's true. You want something to lift those spirits. Yeah. Something. Yeah, you, want, you want a mood booster, don't you? So. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's got to be one of my Austens. I mean, you could just read book that those books over and over again and the characters and the the fun will just you know yeah lift your lift your spirits yeah i mean as much of a horror fan i am i feel like on a desert island it wouldn't be (laughs) the the vibe that i'd be wanting (laughs) yeah exactly To keep up with everything that Chloe's doing, you can follow her on Twitter at Chloe Seeger or on Instagram at Chloe N Seeger. And to make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, follow us on Twitter at Right and Wrong UK and on Instagram at Right and Wrong Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you in the next one. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.